If today is your first day at Woodburn Baptist Church, welcome. Really glad you're here. If you found us online or watching online, welcome. I want to let you know that Pastor Tim Harris and his wife Casey and our youth pastor Matt and about 30 other folks are in Haiti on a mission trip, and we have prayed for them, and we are excited for them to come back. My name's Rod. I am the worship guy, the music guy, and so as a music guy, rhythm is really important to me. I thought we might actually do a little audience participation this morning, so we're going to make some rhythm together. It's okay. If you're bad at rhythm, it's okay. Your neighbor will be sure to point that out to you, I'm sure. So um, I want to start with the redneck side because they need just basics, right? I think that's kind of what I've learned about you guys. So when you pat your thighs like this is called patching, so we teach in children's choir. So you're going to patch on one and three, all right? Can, let's try it. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. I think the whole redneck thing's been blown out of proportion. That's really good. <laughs> Group two, um, I want you guys to clap on two and four. So they're going to patch, clap, patch, clap. Patch, clap, ready? Here we go. Patch, clap, patch, clap, patch, clap. That's really good. That's really good. Keep going. Patch, clap. Now, middle section, you've got the hard part because Jimmy White's in your section and I know that you can handle anything. So you're going to snap on the offbeat. One and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and. Hear how that all works together? Okay, now I'm going to do my own thing. You keep going. Patch, clap, patch, clap, and snap, and snap, and snap. My thing is I'm going to talk like I'm a rap star, but I don't really know what I'm doing up here. That was really bad, wasn't it? (laughs) Keep going. Patch, clap, patch, clap. Now, if I talk out of rhythm, it's really kind of awkward and makes everything feel like it doesn't work together. But if I'll just... Talk when you clap and snap and patch and clap, then it just all fits together. It kind of works. That's the way the rhythm works. Okay, we can stop now. Give yourselves a hand. That was really, really good. Listen to these familiar words, maybe in a different translation. This comes from Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. You remember that passage? This is the way that passage reads in the message translation. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that beautiful? That's so good. If there's anything that the last week or recent months have taught us, it's that our world is horribly out of rhythm. My hope is that our time together today will help us learn the unforced rhythms of grace. You see, I think, a few of in the, you, I think a few of you in this room are bored out of your mind. Days seem to last forever. Hours can feel like days. The last thing you got excited about was when it rained a lot, so you had to mow twice in one week because it gave you something to do. 
Jesus wants to help you recover your life. The abundant life he died so that you could live. There's low energy to your life because there's no rhythm of grace in your life. Are there people in your family, if you're bored out of your mind, are there people in your family who don't know and experience what it is to be loved and accepted by you? More importantly, are there people in your family and friends who don't know what it is to be loved and accepted by God? Then maybe you can use some of those bored hours to imagine and implement ways to change that. If there are needs you know about that aren't being met and you have the capacity to meet them, it sounds to me like it's time for some grace rhythms to kick back in. But I'll bet there are a whole lot more of us in this room who can't remember the last time we were bored. The only rhythm we know is a lot and fast. Every day feels like there aren't enough hours. Even this morning, you're feeling a sense of, can we get to the next song already? Can we get to the sermon already? Can we get to the end of the service already? Your purse will be on your shoulder before the first chorus of the last song. You're just used to being in a hurry. Jesus wants to help you recover your life. The abundant life he died so that you could live. Ours is a frenetic pace because the wrong rhythm is regulating our lives. There was a traveler visiting Africa, and she hired a guide. This traveler was hoping to make good American time, so she was in a hurry, and she was really pleased with the first day's journey. They covered a whole lot of miles. They got up the second day. She thought, okay, we're going to get there today. I know we're going to get there today, but all of her guides were stopped, and they wouldn't get up. And she said, why won't you get up? Why won't you get up? It's time to go. Come on. And the response of the lead guide was, Our bodies traveled a long way yesterday. We need to sit and wait for our souls to catch up. That author, Letty Kalman, wrote, The Africans knew that when they needed, they knew when they needed to restore life's balance. Too often we do not. On my weekly report to our pastor, I indicate whether or not I succeeded in observing a Sabbath one day a week that I don't do any church work. A 24-hour period where I do things that bring rest and refreshment to my soul. There's no to-do list on those days, really. I won't tell you how often I succeed or fail. I'll just tell you I report every week on whether or not I did. I don't approach my Sabbath as legalistically. I approach it as a gift. I've discovered that I don't do very well on my Sabbath if I just don't have anything to do. I don't do nothing very well. So what I do instead is I just think, what would I like to do? And then I do something. I'll sit with the TV off, put a book on my lap, and I'll just read. Or I'll take a short walk with my dog. Or I'll take a 15-minute power nap. I'll go see a movie, one of my very favorite things to do. I'll take a day trip, anything that just gets me out of the rhythm of what's normal so that I can experience soul refreshment. Jesus is the one who said God gave us the gift of a Sabbath. It was his idea. He thought it was a good idea. Author Lynn Babb observed that, and I'm quoting here, Adam and Eve were created on the sixth day. So their first full day on earth was the seventh day, the Sabbath. Then on the next day, they began to till and tend the garden. They didn't begin to work until they had rested in God's presence. We often do the opposite, believing we have to earn the right to a day of rest by working hard. 
Maybe this is why, she says, the Sabbath helps us know experientially that nothing we do will make God love us more. And this is why we must learn unforced rhythms of grace from Jesus. Others will tell us the lie that rest is laziness. Godly rest is a grace gift. Max Lucado says, sometimes the most godly thing you can do is take a day off. Again, Jesus was neither harried nor bored. As I read recently in John Ortberg's book, Soul Keeping, Jesus lived a divine rhythm where grace was constantly flowing into him and then flowing out from him. Jesus' days were lived in unforced rhythms of grace. Ours can be too. One of the most beautiful ways I've ever heard the Hebrew word shalom described is that when it is when everything is in rhythm with God's rhythm. That's when you have peace. Scattered through the stories of Jesus found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we read words like immediately, which implies that Jesus was moving on. He, was, he had a purpose. He was going somewhere. He wasn't in a hurry. He just went to the next thing. We also read phrases like, stayed there. He wasn't looking for something to do. He was just being fully present with the people in his life. This is the life of Jesus. He lived with margin. When something came up, Jesus had the freedom to do whatever the Father compelled him to do. I too often don't. I'm not sure about you. Margin is a key. There's a reason the words on this page don't go from edge to edge and top to bottom. The art in a museum is framed with a mat around it to create margin. It has function, it has beauty, and it is healthy to have margin. Some of my best moments, like some of yours, come in the margin. It's especially true for us creative types. We have to have some margin for creativity to do its work. If you're a part of a family, you have creative work to do in your family, and you can't do that without margin. Remember the last time that your family, regardless of what your family looks like, was having a really, 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 really packed day? I mean, like down to the five-minute increment. We can't be late. We can't do that. You remember that as a fond and laughing and joyful day, right? Margin is important to a healthy journey with your family. One of the best illustrations I know for how to have margin or thinking this way is probably familiar to you. It's about a jar and some big rocks and some sand. If you're not familiar with that illustration, check out the live event and you version. I've linked to a video about it. I don't want to take time to go through it this morning, but it's a pretty great thing. Those of you who do remember it, imagine how accurately that describes the life of Jesus. He did the big things first, no doubt about it. So how can we have a life like his, or can we? Let's go back to the passage. Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Who will show us? Yeah, I will show you, he says, how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. There's work when we walk with Jesus. Watch how I do it. 
We come to Jesus to learn. This means we have to spend time with him. Now, I'm not going to tell you what that time looks like because I think it looks really different for a single mom with three kids than it does a widower in retirement years. I think it looks really different for an elementary kid than it does for a college kid. I think it looks really different for somebody that's just walked with Jesus for a few weeks and somebody that has walked with Jesus for a few decades. So I don't really care too much how you spend time with Jesus. I just really care that you spend time with Jesus. I think he does too. I've been stuck most of my life trying to figure out, okay, what does it look like to have a healthy devotional life? You know what it looks like? Having a devotional life. (laughs) You figure it out. Your grace rhythm will be unique. We'll come back to that in just a few minutes. Now, I think this is hard because the rest of the world is screaming at us to walk at their pace. Your boss probably is, or your employees are if you're the boss. Your teachers are students, or maybe the other students are. Your parents are, or your kids do, at least mine do. Um, Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your social media connections. Maybe you imagine the pace somebody else lives, and you try to live at what you imagine their pace is. There's no end to the voices yelling, walk this way, walk this way. But we don't want to learn the rhythms of life from the people we don't want to be like. Let me say that again. We don't want to learn the rhythms of life from the people we don't want to be like, nor the people we are like, but from him we want to become most like Jesus. His is the only voice that promises a recovery of your life. The only one. Real, abundant life. So get away with him. Ask him. What do I ask him? I'm going to give you three things to ask him right now. First one is ask him about spending money. I have been horrible at this almost all of my life, but I want to get good at it. Should you buy this house or that one? We prayed about the house we're living now. Should you get this new car or that used one? Should I buy this investment product or that one? Ask him how to pace the flow of money in your life. It will radically change your capacity to live a life of generosity. Ask him about spending time. Should you do this thing someone asked you to do at church or that thing someone asked you to do in the neighborhood? I'm a church guy. I would say do the church thing. It's not up to me. Ask Jesus. He'll give you the right answer. Ask him about spending your relational energy. I'd made that up. I don't even know if relational energy is a thing, but it just seemed to me like something that we really need to think with Jesus about. So just ask him, hey, should I take this person to lunch to encourage them or should I take this person to lunch so they will encourage me? Ask him. I don't know the answer. The master does. So ask him. Okay, so I can hear, like, you guys are screaming at me from your souls, and you may not know that you're doing it, but you are. But how will I get everything done? It's my objection, too. Well, turn with me to John 17, 4. I actually want you to go there in your Bible if you have one. Grab a pew Bible. I didn't look up the page number, but New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. John 17, John 17 and the fourth verse. This is the beginning of a whole chapter where Jesus is praying, and primarily he's praying for the people that he's going to leave behind. This is where he prayed for unity. I mentioned that earlier in the service. But in the fourth verse of John 17, Jesus prays these words. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. 
Wow. Did you catch that? Jesus accomplished everything the Father gave him to do. He observed a Sabbath. He walked in unforced rhythms of grace. And he accomplished everything the Father gave him to do. We can too. And he's given us plenty to do. Pastor Tim has been teaching us this year about life on mission. I want to tell you, church, if we only do everything God wants us to do, we will live in unforced rhythms of grace. I want to say that again. If we only do everything God asks us to do, we can live in unforced rhythms of grace. But we can live at an insane pace and never do anything God asked us to do. Life on mission. If we want to have what they had, and what they had was a world-changing, family-changing life, then we've got to do what they did. And you know what they did? They spent time with Jesus. They learned to walk in his rhythms of grace. They kept company with him and learned to live freely and lightly, and they changed the world. Our world desperately needs to be changed desperately needs to be changed. Maybe if we spent time with Jesus and talked with him about how to spend our time, our world would begin to look different. We can change the world too. They changed the world. We can change the world too. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you won't encounter trouble. We know better if you're not walking out of this room into troublesome circumstances today, they're around the corner, unless you're under nine days old. But the rest of us, it's just going to come. One writer observed that the Bible uses the word easy only one time. The entire Bible, the word easy only appears once, and it's in our passage for today. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then John Ortberg says, the soul was not made for an easy life. The soul was made for an easy yoke. Did you catch that? The soul was not made for an easy life. The soul was made for an easy yoke. How much better could we navigate the stormy seasons of life if the troubles on the outside of us couldn't overcome the shalom on the inside of us? My grace rhythm, by the way, is probably really different from your grace rhythm, and that's okay. Yours will be different from your wife's. And if you're in your 60s, your grace rhythm will look different from somebody in their 20s. This is one of the beautiful things and I think frustrating things about doing life together. We've got to figure out who patches on one and three and who claps on two and four and who snaps on the offbeat. Different rhythms that are out of sync create tension and anxiety, but different rhythms that are in sync make music. This applies to your family too and our church and the other churches in our area Living in healthy families and churches and communities is learning to synchronize rhythms. Imagine if your world was in rhythm. Imagine. In fact, let's try it again. All right? Now I've got to get a specific tempo here. So I'm going to align our rhythm to a standard of measurement. 
I think that's what Jesus did. So here it is. One, one, two, three, four. We're going to make that like the rhythm of Jesus. We don't know what the rhythm of Jesus is, but for today, for for our purposes right now, that's it. So here we go. And one, and two, and three, and four, and patch, two, three, four, patch, clap, patch, clap, patch. Ready at center section? Here we go. One and two and three and four and one and two and whenever you're ready. Isn't that beautiful? Great job. You're all on the list for drummer next week. Excellent job. Would you pray with me? God, it's hard for us. We have been raised to walk in rhythms that are out of step with yours. Every voice in our life seems to be screaming for us to move faster or slow down, go this way or that, spend this way or that, do this thing or that. Would you give us on this day a commitment to walk in your rhythms of grace so that our lives, our families, our church, and our community can be music to our ears. We need your help. And so we pray in your name, Jesus. Now, that was short. I'm not quite done. So Paul's going to keep playing, and I want to ask you, what's your next step? What's your next step? How can you learn to walk in the unforced rhythms of grace and do everything God has entrusted to you? Oh, how desperately I want my last breath to be saying, God, I did everything you asked me to do. Maybe you want that too. I'm going to suggest a few, but don't do what I say. Do what Jesus says. The Bible doesn't say come to a sermon and find out. It says come to Jesus and find out. So here are some suggestions. Number one, look in the spiritual mirror. doing you can't know where to go until you know where you're starting and i want to give you some good news today no matter where you're starting jesus is with you and no matter where you're starting jesus who always brings good news comes to say i will help you get to the next place maybe the first step is simply look in your spiritual mirror and say how am i doing at living in rhythms of grace Maybe you could go home and sometime this week spend some time meditating on Luke 10, 38 to 42. I put the passage so you can write it down if you want to. It's also in the live event. But maybe you could meditate on the story of Mary and Martha. Pray about it. Read it in a bunch of different translations. Think deeply about it. Maybe you need to be more like Mary in this situation or more like Martha in that situation. At the top of my prayer list is a confession. Father, forgive me for sitting when I should be working and working when I should be sitting. You might want to slow down. When pastor and author John Ortberg asked his mentor, Dallas Willard, what the next step was John needed to take, Dallas thought about it for a minute, and then he said these words, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Can you imagine if you never again had to hurry? Maybe Jesus is calling you into a time of holy imagination where your life, your family's life might become less hurried. 
Maybe it's time to say no to some things so you can start walking in rhythms of grace. You might want to step it up. You've played that video game so many times that you know the computer's next move before it makes it. You've binge-watched Netflix so many times that you're on the third time through that particular TV show. You've taught your cat every trick you know. So maybe it's time to say yes to some things so you can start walking in rhythms of grace. Almost done. You might need to do some calendar reorg. This is where I am. This is what led me to this sermon today. It's time to stop doing some things and start doing others. It's time to stop doing some things and start doing some others. For me, it is. Business writer Jim Collins famously said, Good is the enemy of great. If you're spending your time on good things, you're not doing great things. Tom Rayner, the CEO of Lifeway, Southern Baptist World publisher and kingdom, has said these words, It is a sin to be good when God has called us to be great. You want to be great at walking with Jesus? You want to do great things? Then maybe we need to stop doing some good things. Doing good things that keep you busy is like, it's likely keeping you from doing great things God is calling you to do. And then finally, you might need to ask someone close to you. Have a conversation with those people. Be brave. Ask someone who will tell you the truth. They will see things in you that you can't see in your spiritual mirror. But be careful, because when somebody says something to you, you might think, oh yeah, I agree with that. Wait a minute. Does the Bible agree with that? Take it to Jesus. It's him we're supposed to come to, to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. This morning, I want to invite you to come at any time you want to. We're going to sing, and then after we sing, we're going to have about five or seven minutes for, some, for you to ask some questions. Um, Right now, you might just need to come and spend some time asking God to show you where you're out of sync with his rhythms. You might do that where you are with the words of this beautiful song. So, would you stand? We've already prayed. However you need to, you respond. I'll be here if you want me to pray with you, but let's ask for his help. Lord, I need you.